The following views and opinions expressed on Joy Has Questions podcast are not to be confused and or affiliated with any other corporations, companies, businesses, LLCs, and any other acronym that you can possibly think of. Basically, these are my own opinions on my own platform. And now everybody, let's get on with the show. Hey, good people. It's your girl Joy Has Questions, dropping some new fire for you all to listen to for the week. Starting with, you guessed it, you better know. Hey, let's raise a glass of a premium whiskey. Um, Jack Daniels is drank everywhere, space tournaments, uh, Sunday evenings watching Insecure, dealing with the cold winter nights after dealing with fuckboys. Like, Jack Daniels is a staple of American culture, right? But did you know that actually the man that taught Jack Daniels that amazing recipe, which became the conglomerate that we know as this liquor brand today, was actually Nathan Nearest Green, a.k.a. Uncle Nearest, a.k.a. the first master brewer of African descent and African-American on record within this whole entire country. So. How in the world did this even happen? Why did he not get his credit until now? And what are we going to do about it, people? So just jumping right into it, Nathan Nearest Green, um, born around 1820, was a black head stealer, also known as the master distiller. As I just said, he was born into slavery, emancipated after the Civil War, and he was hired by the man that he actually taught to make whiskey, none other than Jack Daniels himself. So his story kind of starts basically um, in the sense of during the 1850s, Jack Daniels went to work for Dan Call, who was a preacher, grocer, distiller. Now that's cute. He was a preacher as well as a bootlegger, but we're going to get into that later. And so since the preacher was so busy, Jack, you know, was like, look, I'm young, I'm hungry, I'm trying to get it. I need to learn, you know, about your business a little bit more. Now, Dan didn't have time, but he was like, let me actually put you with Nearest because he's known for making the best whiskey in the whole entire state. Now, documentation shows that Green was owned by a firm known as Landis and Green, who likely hired him out to call for a fee. Now, it is disgusting that we are talking about a man being loaned out like a vacuum cleaner, like this is rent center for slaves, but there's no other way to put that. So he was one of the few enslaved people who stayed on with Dan Call after the emancipation patient. And so continuing on in this tradition, teaching Jack how to make whiskey with the 13th amendment being, uh, teaching Jack how to make whiskey, um, Jack Daniels eventually opened up his own distillery and then also began to employ two of Green's sons, George and Eli. And then all in all, like three of Nearest Green's sons were a part of the distillery staff. Now here's the problem. They did not get credit. Now, looking at this on the outside, it's just like, here we go. Another black person getting gypped, another black person not getting their just due. I originally found out about this, not lying. Like, working within the industry, I knew about, you know, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Don't even get me started. The town is called Lynchburg, but woo child the ghetto. Um, Anyhow, looking into this on a deeper level, um, I first found out about this with The Breakfast Club as well when they did an interview with Fawn Weaver, who is the woman who basically is like, no, we're going to change this narrative. 
And she took it upon herself to then take over the Uncle Nearest whiskey brand to tell the story. Um, Jack Daniels, the company, has now acknowledged it as well. So this was just something that I really wanted to bring to the forefront because in every possible aspect, we have been integrated, changed culture, changed society, put our stank and our stamp and our mark on every aspect of this country and the world. And it's about high time that we start to get our credit for doing so. Just wanted to shoot that out to you all. Hope you all have an amazing week and let's get on with it with Joy Has Questions. Everybody, it's your girl, Joy Has Questions. When I tell you my Q4 has been going fucking immaculately. I'm Finish like, strong, baby. Yes. Finish strong. Um, I am... I'm not even about to have a fangirl moment because, like, two dope-ass professionals are about to have a real conversation. But, y'all, I have the one and only, the serial entrepreneur. This man has been literally curating culture, being an activist for our community, doing it with tailored suits, linings. Gentlemen, please get your beer game together. We've, we've just got to come together as a people. I have the one and only Kenny Burns on my show. Oh, like, thank you, love. My daddy in heaven in a suit for this right oh, now to listen. Like that. This is an honor for real. For real. That's dope. Um, so first and foremost, let's just jump right into it. Why the hell are you in Chicago? You ain't from here. Yeah, no, you know it's crazy. I met my wife here um, oh, in '97. She was uh, living here. She was she graduated from Howard University H-U? that spring. Yeah, '97 homecoming. I met her, and she was living here. So I was coming here a lot. Um, John Monopoly, Don C, Happy, were all good friends. Kanye and I used to come out here a lot. So while I'm here, this actual time is for women only. Um, It's a platform that my brothers and I created, um, Anatom Bariola Mm -hmm. and Steve Canal. And it was just, you know, an idea we had after a panel we spoke on to help the conversation between men and women. I think that's phenomenal. I especially love the fact of how you all did it through Kavasia VSOP. Um, for sure. Because even something, you know, if... It's still, yes, black girl magic and everybody's hashtagging their life away, but we still see these instances of, like, not feeling included in a lot of these larger brand discussions. So um, even to find an impact from mm-hmm. a liqueur brand yeah. like that, it, it's it's huge. And it, I think it really shows the importance of what happens when you get black people, black men, black women in yes. prominent positions to sit at that table and say, no, no, no. Are we including us in this conversation? Yeah, I don't know if you know this, though, but black women are one of the most important commodities in the social sphere now. So Definitely. When we came to Kavase, it was a no-brainer, literally. I mean, obviously, you know my background in party culture, but when I was like, yo, we literally have something for women that mm-hmm. is designed to, you know, help inspire. Um, I always say black women saved me. And if wow. I could ever go out and share what I know to help them. That's what I wanted to do. So big shout out to Cabassier because they cut a real check. Um, we did five markets. Oh, uh, yeah, because that salmon was flaky. I'm like, hey. oh, this ain't Costco salmon. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. The that dream good is real. whole food wild caught. A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's that's amazing to, to see you all doing that and really um, representing for our community, which is a lot of times like black women, we feel like we – and a lot of women said it yeah. yesterday. Like, we hold all these hats, all these bags, and Facts. nobody is here for us to trust fall into. Um, I know you all are doing this in five different markets. I saw you all went to Atlanta. There's been L.A., D.C. Um, DC. Where are you all headed next? Um, we are starting back up in 2020, and we'll start up Philly, Houston, and all the rest of the, the market. markets that we didn't hit. Super, super dope. But in terms of what your opinion was, I know you all said there was like kind of like a little je ne sais quoi in every city. So yeah. what, what's Chicago's problem? Um, you know, I think the 
commonality in all the markets was, you know, people had something to say. I think a lot of times you get the bitter side of things when you're having relationship conversations. But I found that throughout every city, women were holding women accountable. And I think people had a misconception of us coming in saying, oh, you should do this, you should do that. But we really curated the evening for a conversation. And you saw last night, women, they, you know, they directed the flow of the conversation. So I just, I love to be um, obviously in it and having 20 years of marital experience to share, um, which is phenomenal for any human being right, in this day and age, what? right? But, um, you know, just to see what you guys had to say to each other. And I think you guys in that setting um, felt vulnerable enough, but at the same time also felt like you could not be judged. You know, and we, we've obviously had moments along the tour where people were judging and, mm -hmm. well, you sleeping with that many people, you know, you know, and all this. But then it was, you know, it's I think. a good hand check moment. Th look, the these hand <laughs> movements <laughs> and the yah meanery that goes right. on with this movement. Um, yeah, but it was um, quite fascinating to hear all of what the women have to say, and more importantly, how we can take that information and go next and share it uh, with for men only. Right. I think in terms of like just the genius of this conversation, it's deeper than like, you know, a battle of the sexes. You know, it's, yeah. it's not really about a battle. It's about us having an open conversation. It is. You know, because um, I think also you all hit on something. A lot of, we aren't going to get married. You yeah. Know? So whatever that journey of Were love, you shocked when I said that? Though? No, not at all. Because, I mean, I hear the statistics. I'm 30 years old myself, so I don't hear my biological clock ticking. But I'll put it this way. The one thing I was like, shit, I should have did that before I swan dived into entrepreneurship was get my eggs frozen. Like right. I, Now, a lot of my girlfriends are having more conversations but it's not because we necessarily have lost hope it's right. just like it's science like yeah. it's real things we have age to is no one's friend exactly and it don't wait on you at all like i know black don't crack but yeah. internally things start to click absolutely um so even just expanding the conversation with you you having not only this amazing opportunity but you I literally Googled everything, and I'm like, okay, so we got Revolt. We got Freak Nick from the 90s. Yeah, we wow, got, wow, wow, wow. We Nick. got all the, I mean. You're really showing my age. Not even that. I just do that for whenever I deal with judgments yeah, yeah, yeah. of black people, and they went, well, y'all, you know, if y'all just held y'all sales to a different standard, I'm like, y'all held y'all sales to the same standard. There's just no videotape to capture. Hello? Auntie Pussy Popping on the Chevelle. Talk, That's talk, all that talk is. That. Talk that talk. <laughs> But Glad you said it. <laughs> finally, I'm like, <laughs> I'm happy you got your little Luster's perm kid and yeah. the, you know, the boomerang power suit now. That's but right. Everyone has a trash moment. That's right. Um, but in terms of just looking at how you have been able to navigate and calling yourself a serial entrepreneur, I have a term I, I love using, a creative technologist. Okay. Because that's really what I think, you know, a lot of us are. You know, yep. we're leveraging, you know, Snapchat or all these social platforms to really expand our brand. Facts. Um. For you, what you actually have to interact with white people. For you, what has made it be like this is where I want to stay, which is within the realm of empowering blackness, and this is how I'm going to do it. Like, how did you carve that out to get equity into all these places? Yeah, I just I've always been culturally responsible. I never was the guy that wanted to. You know, you got to imagine I'm 47 years old. So when I was growing up, we were looking at the Cosby Show, a different world. We had all these, you know, visuals of what black culture black love looked like you had public enemy fight the power you had nwa fuck the police you had all this amazing uh energy happening this is pre you know prior to social media so you literally right. had to 
read, you had to travel, you had to know somebody in another city, you had to really spread your wings in a way that social media has made it so you don't have to leave your living room. But I think for me coming up, being culturally conscious about what was going on, even, you know, I grew up a statistic, right? Almost statistic. I was a single parent. You know, my mom raised me, my aunts Mm -hmm. raised me, no father figure in the house. I went to the street to find that, got locked up my senior year in high school, Mm -hmm. had basketball opportunities and lost them because I was a knucklehead and went to jail. And, you know, you think about these things and the whole time I knew that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I knew that wasn't my purpose. I had a certain connection with people that was ordained in my in my field. I would never try to be a preacher because I curse too much, but I think I mean, that I have a message to share. And I've always been that person. I've always mentored like that. And when you're the first to jump off the porch, in a sense, you, mm-hmm. you have a certain uh, confidence that no education um, can teach you. I think it's an experiential thing. I think you have to literally bump your head, yeah. fall down, get up. And, you know, the, the commonality in it all is I kept moving. And I, I was talking to my wife this morning. A lot of us entrepreneurs, we come up with these ideas. Since I was a kid, I wouldn't just come up with the idea. I would have the idea and execute it. Now, executing it means bring it to its fullest potential. Right. And we as entrepreneurs sometimes don't know when to stop because we feel like this idea is everything. But no, as a creative, you wake up daily with this opportunity to get it right, right? Or expand on it or amplify it. And I think that's what I've always used as my superpower. You know, um, my wife, you know, last night, oh, sorry, this morning, we're talking about FWO and how's the fifth market. And it's like, wow, you came with this idea after a black woman got mad and you wanted to talk to her she left you couldn't talk to her and but you- that's how you shift energy yeah and that's how you start to make an impact i think a lot of times we some people will have that natural mentality or someone else is going to do it right. you know and we'll just walk away and that actually it's a psychological phenomenon we're in a sense of like someone thinks someone else is going to pick up the bag and now nothing gets done and now right. you know we've actually worsened the situation so i think it is very important it's it's a heavy responsibility though because when you jump off the porch you don't know if you're going to tuck and roll sprain an ankle Absolutely. break a neck you know do irreversible damage and so it is yes stepping out on faith but i think you have to get past the fear of that yeah in order to find the success of it and if i'm not mistaken you said you just left the corporate world yeah um i think it was a Everything you lose is not a loss. I was but I think it was timing, that. right? Like yeah. you look at the opportunity that presented itself and you had to jump off the porch. Mm-hmm. And I think, but sometimes we have to be pushed. Sometimes things have to happen on our journey to make us, right? Yeah. I tell my mentees all the time, sometimes you got to leave everything you know to get to where you're going. And it's yeah. not going to be comfortable and it's not going to be blissful and all the things you want it to be. But the beauty is... And what we always have to remember is you have to find that beauty in the journey. The beauty is the actual journey. Being hurt. You know, in these conversations with, with these women for the last, you know, month and a half, the beauty is that you had somebody you loved. You know how to love, right? Because right. I, I didn't ask this question last night that I wish I would have. Um, how many people have had love, mm-hmm. a good love, right? And the majority of the rooms, you know, had raised their hand. And I was like, well, what happened? How did that get away from you? And I think that's us in personal relationships. That's us in business. We have the shit. We have the. We let go of the one idea that the dude that just came off the elevator could have made or helped us exactly. make happen, yeah. or the woman would. So, I just you know I look at it. I look at everything with opportunity, and I look at everything with with you know the ability to help me. I don't look at like puffing. I have a tumultuous relationship and everybody yeah. who follows me or you google me you'll see puffin kenny burns at the world famous compound vodka wars <laughs> and all this 
but that's helped me. Mm -hmm. I could look at it as a negative, you know, because even doing our beef right after that, he, he, he pins me to help him launch Revolt Television. Which is phenomenal just because I think, like even right now, and clearly this is, you know, an audio platform that we're on, but it's like I'm, we're sitting in the middle of a hotel lobby, yeah. you know, there isn't a, a camera crew here. But the thing is, you have to have that, that get to itiveness. Absolutely. And I think that's something that Revolt is the epitome of doing right now, yeah. just in the fact of. I came from me. I started off like working for as a production assistant, and it was so convoluted just the process to even become like the weekend reporter, right. you know. And then it's like you, you're trapped in like all of these politics or the office politics of what news is. Yep. And nowadays, you have people that are literally like sixty seconds with Justin. You have just with the mess. You have like people that's like, look, if I can just buy the kit from Guitar Center, we right. go figure this shit out and put it out. Get this and just do it ourselves. Um, so building that equity just on a worldwide scale with Revolt, like what was that process like of like, how do we do this where we can now generate, you know, these ad dollars, get this money so we can keep this equity within our community going? And this is another example about getting out your own way. Like if I would have took, like I said, our rocky relationship mm -hmm. and, you know, wasn't open to receive when he brought the opportunity, I would have, you know, been, you know, played behind the yeah. play myself, right? So 2013, um, well, right before 2013, we had these Vodka Wars. I was the Grey Goose guy, made this whole thing, putting beer, billboards in front of Justin's. Like, I was taunting him. When he would come to D.C., I'm sorry, Atlanta, it was more like competition. And I wasn't, like, taunting him, like, fuck him. I was more like, I'm in the game. Right. I want you to see my moves. And we had this whole big blow-up, so he offered me a job to come work with, like, two weeks after the blow-up. He offered me a job to come work at Ciroc and Deleon. I mean, Ciroc. And I was like, nah, because I was, you know, I had the Great Goose. I was doing my thing. I was known for my thing. I didn't want to go and just work for him, right? And so I, you know, basically was leaving the conversations open because I had heard about Revolt coming. And so literally like a month and a half later, he came back and said, I'm launching a television network. Will you come with, this is literally in the club. Will you come with me to Miami? I want to talk to you about this, whatever. So I called my wife. I was like, I'm coming home, pack it back. I said, where you going? I said, I'm going to just get on a private jet. Puff, we're going to go to Miami. He wants to pitch casually. me. Casually. I'm trying yeah. to get a buddy pass from the sis from Delta right. last night. <laughs> right. So he said, let's get on the jet or whatever. So I go down there. And, you know, he, he tells me, like, with all of our history, this is the opportunity that was destined for us. Like, we could, you know, curate culture from a network perspective. You know, he had all these ideas of what he wanted to be. And so I was telling him my ideas and you know, we came to an agreement. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing was, I was living in Atlanta, they were doing it in LA. So the first year, I was consulting, and I was going back and forth, and my wife was like, nah, you're spending too much time out there, the family has to go. So I moved to LA. And this is a testament because- You have a ride or die wife. Oh, listen. Like? I'm telling you, but, but she knows I bring home the bacon. Like, I don't, again, that's back to the having ideas and not executing them. If a motherfucker just got ideas all day long and that's they're not going out, so I, I literally, she, she made an example of it this morning. She was like, yeah, because I did it. My friend owns a new club in Atlanta called Traffic, and I want, he's trying to curate it differently from all the trap shit that's going on. So I wanted to help him with a supper club vibe. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work. It was five weeks. Promotions look amazing. Everywhere I go, everybody's talking about, y'all want to come to Atlanta, come to your thing. But nobody came in Atlanta. But that's not a loss. It's me trying to help my friend. It didn't work. On to the next. And, I, you know, and when you're savvy enough you don't lose money because you don't put up money you get paid to show up and that's thankfully what i have been blessed to do for myself but anyway back to puff so this revolt thing was so you know so big for me because if i had the opportunity to program visually what culture needed was the reason so we packed up we moved 
And, um, you know, it was a hell of an experience. Not what I signed up for at all. Didn't get to curate culture the way I wanted to. Didn't get a chance to program the channel like I wanted to. But I learned a level of patience that I needed to grow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Puff paid me a whole lot of money to just be there when he needed me. All the things that I made happen, like the Gumball 3000 thing, like, you know, doing the Revolt Nation tour. All these things were things I was doing while I'm waiting. You know what I'm saying? But Revolt Nation was one of the biggest tours we ever had. The Revolt to Vote campaign was huge. Like, all these things I'm doing were huge, but he's not seeing it as, all right, Kenny needs to run the network. So when the opportunity came for me to run the network, he wanted me to go help him launch a new spirit, which ended up becoming Apple Ciroc. Right. So Apple Ciroc was my launch. Delion Tequila was my launch. And so I'm popping. like, And I'm like, okay, well, I want to run Revolt. I don't want to do spirits. Right. Which, even in itself, and this is just the nerd in me coming out, like, I need people to understand how difficult of an industry that is to break into. What? Like, let me. those shells do not move. Like, and if you are a new, like, there's a woman, a black woman, she is one out of 11 um, sommeliers, I believe, or, or winemakers. Right. I forget what the, the form yeah. Okay, I said it right. Um, in the world. Not the country, not yeah. the state. One out of 11 globally. Yeah. It is, it's something that, yes, we need to build equity into that as well. But it is not easy just to say, you know what? I'm going to make a liquor brand and just pop. Yeah. And, and I think what, what people don't understand even about business in general, what you sign up for, the majority of the time is not what you get out of it. Mm-mm. And I think for me... I was learning that on the fly. Like, I had a whole contract with Revolt. In my contract, it defined, it was undefined equity in it, right? So when a senior package was, you know, uh, put together, you would receive X, Y, and Z. But, of course, it's all, like, smoke and mirrors because there's no actual shares. And so, long story short, when I transitioned over to Cones, Wine, and Spirits, it was kind of like, fuck. Like, I want to do the Revolt shit, but I'm popping it. Apple Ciroc was its biggest launch, flavor yeah. launch ever. Delion Tequila was on fire. And then it came to a point where I had to renegotiate my contract or leave. And in mind you, I moved my family 3,000 miles away from my home. Yeah, you know, had, East Coast is hell. You know what I'm saying? What was perfect is Kyle was going to uh, middle school and Kenny was going to high school, so it was perfect. And their basketball guys, so they went to Sierra King, so it was perfect. But same time, I'm like, what am I? Like, I just moved, you know what I'm saying? And in mind you, I make an a, a amazing amount of money. I got my side hustles, but at the same time, I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. And whatever in my spirit that told me to leave mm-hmm. was the best thing that ever happened to me because not only did Puff and I high five him for this, he paid me a year's salary and didn't have to, but I moved back to Atlanta and literally two months later met the guy that was doing a series A raise for what would be Uncle Nearest Premium Whiskey. And when I talk when I talk about God, like I've done, I created the influencer programs that all spirit companies use. I've taken pop culture several times and moved the needle from uh, you know, decade to decade, and I've never had equity. And the first time I was supposed to have equity, I knew Puff was going to give it to me because he was the biggest right. out, and that's the only one that could actually Do bring it. me in properly. You ain't kicking it with magic. Exactly, you know I mean? <laughs> like, exactly. And I know Jay, but, you know, Jay and his crew already had their system. So my whole thing was a complete stranger that I played golf with one time tells me he's doing a Series A raise, tells me I have to meet this lady named Fawn Weaver. Two weeks later, I go to I go to Tennessee. Lynchburg, tour, yeah. yeah, tour the entire... Founders Tour, which is now the Founders Tour, and then 
I'm riding with her from what would be the distillery that's open now to the airport. I'm like, yeah, I need 10% of this. This story is amazing. I want to be involved. Like, and she was like, ah, right then, because she's a straight shooter. Big shout out to Sean, uh, Fawn Weaver. But she was <laughs> like, 10%, I don't know about that, but let's talk about what we can give you. And sure enough, gave me an amazing amount of shares. And now we're the fastest growing independent whiskey in U.S. history and independently owned whiskey in U.S. history. And the beauty of it, one, it's a black woman. I always say black women save me. I say this all the time. The post I did today. If you want it done right, yeah, just have us no, to the left and the right, it, and we will execute. No, I'm telling you, but it's, it's something supernatural about black women. And I, and I say that affectionately, obviously, because I am from a black woman. But I say that because the level of things you all deal with, you know, even Fawn's story. Fawn, like, left home at 15, mm -hmm. stayed at a shelter, like, serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, now owner of, you know what I'm saying, the only I whiskey that bears a slave, a black man's name. Slave at Shout that. Shout out to Nathan Ears Green, yes. our ancestor, right there. And even when um, I watched her on The Breakfast Club, yeah. and I was just sitting there like, I got to follow them now. I'm adding them yeah. on everything. This is so amazing because the thing is, she was finally in a position to say something that had been such a conflict for me for so long. Because right. it's like when you, you have to pick your battles, you know, and, and also what is that moral conflict for you when it's just time to get off the, the boat, if you will. But I always hated that shit. It drove me nuts. I'm right. like, we go so hard for certain li liquor companies, companies yeah. you know, and I'm just sitting there like, but they took the whole shebang. Well, I, you know, I will say this. So with Fawn's work, with our work, Jack Daniels has now honored him as the first master distiller on right. record. They've also put a ode to him in the Jack Daniels distillery. Um, and obviously he's the first African-American master distiller on record. Right. But Deservingly so. Deservingly so. But the, the brilliance of Uncle Nears and what has happened is the story being discovered, right? right? And the story is that Jack didn't take anything from him. Jack was a masterful marketer. Um, he was an orphan when he came to the Dan Call Farm, which we now own, and which is the house on the bottom, um, 300 and something acres. And that's where Uncle Nears was making, making whiskey. Yeah. And mind you, he had 16 other distilleries immediately close by. But this particular one was special because... When young Jack came, the Dan Call guy was a preacher and a bootlegger. Mm -hmm. And so the congregation was like, you can't be both. We're going to need you to choose. you either going to be Bumpy Johnson yeah, or you're going to be Adam Clayton way before, Like, which is way it? Way before all that. Right. So it was, it was brilliant because as Jack got older, he would always ask what's going on. So he formed this relationship with Uncle Nearest, with right. Nathan Green, and then carried that relationship on with his children. And... The Green family was the richest family, black family in the area. In the area, and so as you know, history went on, the family stayed with Jack. The story got lost around seventy six. Right. We bought Jack Daniel's autobiography too. We own that, and he mentions Uncle Nearest in the or his sons in the biography over fifty times. More than he mentions his own family. Wow. Okay. And so his affection for them was real. I think and it's good that you're separating that though because let's be honest when you we live in such a, a marginalized oppressive society yes. it's instantly that it's just like here we go again. Yeah like, it took from another black person. But, but it's, it's important for people to know because of all the things that did happen I mean fucking it's Lynchburg Tennessee you would think that everything is negative right? Right. But they were very close and when there was there was only two places I think in the town of Lynchburg that were segregated at the time mm -hmm. um, and they were going to the shop 
like, like it wasn't nothing. And people would say those are the green boys or those were the green family. And I think, you know, we have to start taking stories, especially stories like that, to empower ourselves and know our legacy and know we were superheroes before we were acknowledged to be superheroes. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about this, and I call it lightning in a bottle all the time, is because this doesn't happen. You haven't seen a story like this in spirits in That's ever. the story I want to see on on a big screen. You know, it like, definitely and, coming. And it's, it's something where it's just like, and no shade to anybody. Like, I, I've had great reviews on Harriet and I cannot wait to see Queen and Slip but right. I'm loving to see like there are so many more aspects and layers of our story to tell you yes. know in terms of our entrepreneurship our, our being resourceful our resiliency and yes. there's so many different ways to articulate that hell I want to see a movie on Sarah Rector like the little All girl yeah. richest black family in America to the point like proving that race is based on wealth Yes, because they were like we gotta treat her like a white woman like she make they got all the oil in the whole area. Like, yeah. we got to be nice to her. And one lesson also that we've been taught through this experience is that, you know, Fawn, she had every right to use what she read because, you know, mm -hmm. public domain, you can use things, you can, you know, you can trademark things, you can do all types of things, right? But at the same time, we have 14 descendants in college right now, not just bachelors. They can go all the way through the, to their doctrine as long as they maintain yes. a 3.0. Yes. We have um, Victoria Butler, who we just made the master blender, who's actually Nearest's great-great-granddaughter. Oh, that's and so, But this is a woman, Fawn Weaver, that has taken a family that didn't even know what to do with it. I right. mean, they knew these stories. They've had these stories for, you know, over 100 years. and But they didn't lock in and create an actual business for it. And the one thing I truly love about Fawn and Keith, her husband, is that you know, we came in this. We didn't know if we could do it mm -hmm. by ourselves. You know what I'm saying? So you, you're kind of being open to things. But this is a brand that will outlive all of us. And it already has over 100 plus years of equity. You know what I mean? Instilled in it. And, so, and like to even think for myself, here I go. I'm up here like tripping off of what Puff didn't do. But and you I, have an opportunity exact, to do it for yourself. But that's the point. You never know, though. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to listen to your gut. If something is not setting right in your soul, you have to keep moving. And you have to find another way to, you know what I'm saying? Because I told y'all this last night, and I hope this didn't go over nobody's head, but whole is the goal. I, I can, you can offer me a $10 million. Right. But if I'm not happy, I can't do it. Now, maybe at 21, I'd have thought about it. Because you're young, you don't have the right. experience, but living the I'll, life I'll I have. I'll be content. Yeah, like. but living the life I have, there's so much that comes with that. And I've mm -hmm. seen people kill themselves. I've seen people die of yeah. overdoses. I've seen people lose their teeth because they just get fed up and don't care about their hygiene. I've seen all types of shit happen in this business because people are not whole. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, if you work, and I tell my mentees all the time, if you're yourself long enough, they will pay you to be you. <sighs> I think that's the thing. You have to have the understanding of not building your foundation on sand. Like, are you, and not even because Lord knows I'm ratchet 23 out of the 24 hours. But right. I'm saying, like, <laughs> you have to have that balance of are you going to build it on sand or on a rock mat? That's right. Are you going to have something that is long-lasting? And also, are you going to have that that foundation to really double down on yourself? Yeah. You know, I think it's, 
I said this last night when we were all in discussion, but yeah, I was speaking more so for young black men, but I think that's also something for a lot of black women, like, don't like ourselves. So it's like, Man, you don't know And we how lie to, to ourselves. Exactly. Like, I said it last night, I think we live these lies because it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. We look in the mirror and we know certain things and we don't deal with that shit. If you could just deal with it in the mirror, your day would go a lot smoother. Your life would go a lot smoother. And it's like we let it go and we keep, you know, and that's why even, you know, understanding, you know, childhood trauma, understanding adult trauma. connected to your adulthood. Exactly, but also not holding on to that shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm blessed with the ability to come, you know, feel it to its deepest extent, compartmentalize it and put it away. And that's what I think everybody should learn how to do because you never want to forget because I think those are the reliable tangible things from your past you can like use as measures mm -hmm. you can use as you know checkpoints along the way okay yeah, i did i ain't doing that again but you don't need to harbor those feelings and let it fester it's like it's, it, it will consume you like cancer right. and take over your entirety and i think that is easier said than done but a lot of things that i heard last night about therapy and just trying to better yourself mm -hmm. those are the things you have to do to to be whole and whole is the goal I couldn't agree more. I think also, though, and this is even something I, I say to my girlfriends all the time, I'm not spending the money. I'm spending in therapy not to change the cycle within my family. Yeah. Because if, if nothing changes, then what the fuck did I just waste? And, all and you become the matriarch. Off? You become the one that puts it in perspective. And that's important, man. And I, you know, I've always been a leader in my family. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I never forget when I got locked up, God rest the day. My grandmother died this past July 4th. And she Condoms said, go it. work at UPS or FedEx and in 30 years you could have you know this life that you know this retirement you could and I said well you know grandma I didn't do that I didn't sell drugs I didn't risk my life to be ordinary and then my other aunt who's like my saving grace she's my fly aunt she the one that had the husband that had some money and would buy shoes oh, the, and, yeah the meme the rich aunt is like here's twenty dollars yeah if but the family get too crazy come see me 100 <laughs> percent. but at the same time had the game mm -hmm. see because when you were growing up in my day you could fake it till you make it meaning you could buy something you couldn't afford just so you get in the building that's called faking it till you make it right. not being a whole imposter on social media you know what i'm saying and i think that yeah. like those jewels she gave me was like yo like you gotta be you gotta look the part to be the part like if you think about the harlem renaissance if you think about anything in those i mean terrible but probably the most beautiful times for culturally us as a people culturally yeah. rich times for us as a people we looked like money like All you could time. not see a black person out here not fly hair Creases, done going to church club, like that though the grocery store the gro so my thing is like but i feel like that that's so <laughs> important for your listeners because i think that's presentation is missing right in the, in these youngins games today they come to things i got this i'm doing it okay well, where's that my followers i'm popping but i'm like I think, and that's something, like, I was, I say it now, and I've always said, I was blessed to have an older father, whereas that did, like, shorten the amount of Yeah, he was 20 time. years older than your mom, I listen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. But, but the thing that I thought that was so amazing, other than the fact that, like, everybody always got that family picture of them, like, sitting in the big chair. The thing is, my father had a, an eternal style about himself. Like, he went to the mailbox in slacks. Yeah. You know, he the only time you it. saw him in that T-shirt, you know, the undershirt. It's like if it's a hot summer day and he's doing work in the house. That's right. You know, but I think what he instilled in me is, and my mother, too, because she's a badass dresser. It wasn't about, you know, 
spending more than what you have but to your point of what your aunt was teaching you it's about people are going to judge you period and the thing is they're gonna oh well, what do you do because as fucked up as it is they're trying to decide what level of respect they want to give you Facts. and the thing is if you walk in there with, with the ceo mentality they're gonna treat your ass with the ceo mentality period. if you walk in there looking like um someone that isn't deserving of respect they're gonna treat you like that Facts. i think something that always was so powerful to me was how john h johnson literally played the role of a janitor to even see what the building on Michigan looked like, which right. later became the headquarters for Ebony and Jet. Now, right. when he walked in that motherfucker the first day, he was no longer yeah. dressed in those in those clothes. Yeah. He was back in his CEO regalia. But that's just something to me that always is like, you have to know like what role to play in order to get what you want. And I think that's a very smart statement. I really do. Because people often play themselves because they didn't want to, you know what I'm saying, just listen Mm -hmm. or be present because I think a lot of times you know it's like I would never walk to Brooklyn for cheesecake that's just not who I am mm -hmm. if I'm not going to get a slice or if I don't have an appointment I'm not walking across no bridge from a studio when I'm here to do music no and I think that people get it fucked up like this guy came iconic. to me yeah but this guy came to me and was like yo whatever you need what, what you need me to do what's you know what what is whatever and I'm like what do you bring into the table? Like your presentation to me is like, what do I need? Like right. I'm, I'm established. What do you offer? Exactly. Can How help? can you help me help you? Think about it this way though, because even when you're looking at the situation that you had with Puff, you made an excellent point. I don't even know if you got it. Y'all had just got through beefing. You all yeah. are two very, you know, it's not about ego, but it's your two established men within this industry. Two Scorpios, two Dillo, Ooh, baby, child. Jesus. Jesus, okay, to establishment, but he had the common sense to say, I'm going to have you on this jet because I understand your skill set. A and lot of yep. times people can't get outside of their ego to recognize this person brings this to the table. And that's why Jordan didn't win yeah. without Pippen. But that's why he's one of the greatest of all time. That's why Jay-Z's one of the greatest of all time. That's why the greats, you know, can be great is because they have great people around FDR them. said it. Like, I always want to be in the room with people who are smarter than me. Right. You know, and it's not like just giving that to him, but that's just the mentality of if I don't know it, I need to have a motherfucker in the room that does. Period. Because that's what makes me, even with President Obama, I think that was something... I loved his, even to his photographer. No one even looks at how Peter Sousa still uses his old imagery right. as a way to, you know, not even take jazz, but to make really thought-provoking points Absolutely. on his social media. 100%. But that's his team still yeah. working with yeah. him, still helping in terms of that image and that branding and, you know, moving that needle forward. So, love, um, love, love and miss the Obamas. Oh, God. I just, I if I could swag, sir, I'm not even going yeah. there. Um, I'm going to wrap now because I know you have a plane to catch. Yes, you probably on your fourth day, and your wife is like, TikTok, Negro. I want one day, though. I appreciate you listening last <laughs> Oh, no, I did. I did. I was like, okay, so we got to wrap. Yeah. Um, I cannot tell you how appreciative I am Absolutely. to have you even do this. Um, outside of, like, Howard just saying, like, yo, sis, you know, she's worth it. I, I definitely am I'm, I'm happy that people recognize the consistency. Well, you asked me, and I said yes to you before I knew you were affiliated or associated with anybody. You did. That and that too made me happy because I'm just, I think it's very important also to put in the work, but also like it just feels good when people recognize that because a lot of times people don't see those hard days or like what it takes in order to accomplish that. I'm not even saying this to be funny, like I'm about to be on 401k money. Yeah, like yeah. when I say this is the double down, it's this or nothing. Well, you so, got you got to finish too. So yeah. I think for you, 
it was your energy and the way that you carried yourself. Thank and I'm a you. big believer in light and energy. So, you know, when you asked, it was easy. I wanted to sleep in a little bit too, so this allowed me to get an extra <laughs> hour and a half. You know like, what I'm talking about? I can't even be out, y'all. I podcast. got a show in the morning. I got to fly yeah, out. Like. I, I did the one too. I walked in the club. How y'all doing? <laughs> Left. I was in bed by 2.30. Yes, see, it's a system. Absolutely. You ain't got to stand on the couch all night no I don't, more. No, unless I'm getting paid. <laughs> Can we get there, Jasmine? But uh, <laughs> all the blessings, my brother. If there's any other, you know, way that myself can help, like anything that you all are promoting, especially with Uncle Nearest, I definitely will be here yes. to do so. And we so. got to do the full interview one. They have an amazing story. Yes, but no. Y'all, that's it. I, and we literally in the lobby with people eating and shit. That's looking cute. at us, being loud. <laughs> How y'all doing? Being okay, great. ourselves. Yeah. Yes, now, right. Um, but yeah, guys, I don't have nothing cute and classy to say. I just fucking interviewed Kenny Burns. Like, I'm it. about to go get me an omelet and chill the yeah. fuck out. So. Let me know so I can promote it. Thank you so much. All and everybody love. have a good one. You too. Hello, good people. So just I'm going to jump right into the motivational message for the day with this. Be prepared. Scar said it best from the Lion King, even though we all know he was a hating ass nigga. He actually had a really good point. Um, There have been things that have been happening to me that I cannot explain. I can't call it coincidence. I can't call it, you know, lady luck. It really is in alignment with everything that I had said that I wanted to occur this year. I said 2019 was my year of being still. And my God, when you just be still, scope the scene, get further, burrow further down into your bag, into what it is that makes you happy. Oh, the places you will go. Um, Literally within 10 days of having one of the biggest life transitions for me, I have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing Kenny Burns. I can't even put into words what this means. Not even on like, I don't give a fuck about the cloud. Like I cannot put into words what it means to just sit next to someone who was willing to, this man pushed his flight back. He was supposed to leave at noon. It was like, now I'm gonna push my flight back to two. So we could interview at 1130, boob off the bam. And then wanted to follow up and say, oh, and we need to have a further interview. Like, I can't even describe the feeling that happens when you know you're moving in alignment with what you said you wanted. I can't even put it into words what it feels like. It's it's almost like this. You feel comfortable and uncomfortable at the same time. You feel like this tingle of like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like It is indescribable. And then on top of everything else, to have that happen, to have another opportunity that is, you know, manifesting itself that further pushes my brand along. I think the thing that really is just sitting on my heart is when you're moving in alignment, when you're going after what you said you wanted to, you have to be prepared for the success of it. A lot of times we're scared to move forward, not because we think we're going to fuck up, but because of what the feeling of success is. Can I live up to what the hell I just said I could live up to? Am I, you know, basing this on an image that I haven't put the work in for. I literally work day in, day out with my best friend, who is the producer of my show, um, a businesswoman, bomb-ass businesswoman in her own right, Jasmine Weathers. Um, And to just see everything that is just coming our way, there's no 
there's nothing I can say that can fully help you all understand like just how I feel. It's humbling. Um, literally, the yesterday, randomly on the west side of my best friend, a, a travel blogger, uh, Chastity Keys, who goes by Chasing Chas. Please definitely follow her. She has some really big things coming up for 2020. But we randomly just pop up at Fred Hampton's childhood home. I strike up with the conversation with the man coming out the house, and it just so happens to be his son, Fred Hampton Jr. There, I, I do not know what is happening, how I'm just meeting all these people that have inspired me, that are, are so influential, that are humble as all fuck, that are looking at me just like, hey, yes, we need to connect. We need to work together. We think you're bomb as well. Like, when you go into something with a pure heart, when you go into something knowing that it's bigger than self, the the beauty that you will see come from that, there's no words that you can possibly say. Um, this may not be the most eloquent motivational message I've ever given, but one thing, it is from my fucking heart. I am honored. I am humbled. I could not have asked for this year to wrap up any other way. I know it's coming. I know what... I am working towards and I can only just please, 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 please beg that if you are listening, ask questions, invest in yourself. Don't treat whatever it is that you want to do. Don't treat that shit like no hobby because best believe hobbies, you could pick up a hobby any old goddamn day. If you want this to be your passion, your, your business, your brand, your impact, your legacy, you better start taking yourself fucking seriously. I demand that of anyone who listens to me. I don't go through what I go through so that anyone who listens does not feel empowered or inspired for better. Let this be the, and if it is the first day, so be it. Let this be the first day of you wanting better. I hope everyone has an amazing week. I am literally about to sip some chamomile tea and just have a meditation session because I need I need to just sit in my thoughts right now. But um, everyone have an amazing week. Love you to life. And I will catch you on the next episode of Joy Has Questions. <laughs>